The West Live. The West Live with Ben O'Shea. Well, it's that time of year where we start to count down the biggest stories in 2023. And here to help us do that in terms of federal politics is federal politics editor at the West Australian, Katina Curtis. G'day, Katina. Hi, Ben. Good to be back with you. And so when you look back over 2023, the year that was in Canberra, what really stands out to you in politics? And and do you want to do it? Do you want to do a countdown where we start to uh, go down to the biggest story of the year? Oh, I haven't got my stories in that order. I've just done them in. I sort of did them in chronological order. Oh, well, let's do it. Let's do it that way. There's no rules around this sort of thing. Okay, so let's go back to the start of the year. Uh, and what do you want to start with? So the biggest thing at the start of the year was definitely defence um, and the, the AUKUS um, submarine skill. So we saw Anthony Albanese heading to San Diego in March. Um, it was a very hush-hush trip. It was actually, I, I travelled with him. Um, we were in India when they formally announced that we would be travelling from there direct to San Diego. Um, so he, he, And then he got to go and stand on the naval base in front of the submarines um, with Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak there and announcing that Australia is going to spend $368 billion on acquiring these nuclear-powered submarines. So it's the biggest thing that Australia has ever bought, or the most expensive thing, at least. Um, and I guess there's still a lot of unknowns and a lot of scepticism out there. But, you know, if, if they get it right, it really has the... It, it could be completely transformational for Australian defence. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes with a few responsibilities. We have to sign on as uh, the America's uh, deputy sheriff in the uh, South Pacific. Um, But I'm sure that's a role that uh, Australia will take on, even if it sometimes means maybe a little bit of a fractious relationship with Beijing. Uh, And then what story is the next big one to cross your radar? The next one shortly after that was that um, by-election down in Aston in in Melbourne. Um, So that happened on April Fool's Day, um, but it was perhaps Peter Dutton who ended up looking the fool. Um, So the the Labor won that. So that by-election was obviously triggered by Alan Alan Tudge resigning um, and retiring from Parliament. And uh, government has not taken a seat off an opposition in a by-election in about 100 years. So that was really quite signi- historically significant that, that Labor's Mary Doyle won that seat. And you really could see it. It gave Albanese in particular a massive boost. You know, he'd already had a pretty extended honeymoon period and this really just gave Labor a huge confidence, you know, that what they were doing was... Was people were getting it and people were still happy with them. So that, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty big deal for them. <laughs> what did you think? What do you think would happen if that by-election was held now? Um, look, well, we're actually going to get a bit of a test of that because we're going to have a by-election in Dunkley early in the new year. Um, the date for that hasn't been set, and that's because Peter Murphy, the Labor MP. Um, she died from cancer the other week, and so so they'll have to be a, a you know get a new member in that seat there. So it's not they're not quite exactly the same seats. Dunkley's um, in, in more of a Labor friendly area than where Aston is, but I guess we will get to see. I think Labor is recognising that 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 probably will be a fairly big fight there. Um, so we'll see. But it's certainly you know Peter Dutton's whole strategy has basically been targeting the outer suburbs 
Um, he doesn't seem to be that necessarily that interested in winning back those seats that went to the independents that were Liberal heartlands. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the, the test there in Aston, which was really one of those sort of key types of seats that he's targeting, I think, you know, back in April, it showed that maybe people weren't in those areas, weren't listening to him yet. But I think that is maybe starting to change. Mm. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to watch. Okay, so the Aston by-election on April Fool's Day, what's next? Well, you've got the surprise surplus in May in the budget. Um, So Jim Chalmers, uh, back in May, that second Tuesday in May, handed down the first surplus in 15 years. Now, that was actually for the previous financial year for 2022-23, and he said it was going to be about $4 billion. Now, after the financial year had ended and they'd done all the counting up, it actually ended up being about $22 billion, which is, you know, pretty comfortable surplus. Um, He wasn't forecasting surpluses for the next four years, however, but it does look like we might end up um, getting there again next May. In the updated figures released last week, he said, well, we're not there yet, but we're very close. Mm. Um, Yeah, so it's basically um, a good chunk of the sort of windfall revenue is due to those commodity prices, iron ore prices in particular, um, continuing to be high, whereas Treasury always predicts that they're going to fall from wherever they are when they hand down the budget books. Um, And the other, probably about half of it is from um, high company profits, which means high taxes to the government, and that's non-mining companies. And then also a sizable chunk as well from because we've got so many people in jobs at the moment, that means there's a lot more people paying taxes to the government, but it also means that the government doesn't have to pay out as much in welfare payments. So you've got more receipts and lower payments on that front. So it's basically those conditions have continued throughout the whole year, and that's what might set them up to have another surplus next May. Yeah, well, Jim Chalmers will bask in the glory this year. We'll see what happens next year. Okay, so that was a big moment in federal politics. What's next? What's next is the thing that really dominated politics for a good six months this year. That's the referendum. Mm. Um, It was obviously held in October, but, you know, we were really talking about it and not a whole lot else um, from probably around March um, when they sort of first decided the wording of the question and, you know, let it know and be what that was. um, I mean, it was really key key things for the government. It, um, Anthony Albanese was very personally invested in this. Um, you saw him quite emotional, both at the start of the campaign in March when he was surrounded by those Indigenous elders and activists um, and announcing, you know, this is what we want to change the constitution. And then again, very emotional um, on the night of October 14 when it became clear very quickly, even before the polls closed in WA, that um, the referendum was going to go down. And in the end, the no vote prevailed in every single state. It was only in the tiny ACT where, um, where the yes votes got up. We sort of saw pockets of support around the country, but yes, definitely nowhere near enough. So I think that the mood of the government has really been, um, you know, quite quite gloomy since then. Um, they're trying to bounce back, but it's, um, it, it really was a big blow for them. Um, so it will be interesting to see kind of, I guess, how this plays out next year. You know, a lot of people saying, well, we need to have the reset over summer. 
um, and that it probably won't have an electoral impact, but it's, it's certainly dented that confidence. Yeah, big time. And I think, uh, you know, as you say, Anthony Albanese put so much of his own personal capital into that referendum. Uh, it didn't go the way he wanted and the ramifications will be felt for some time to come, I suspect. OK, The Voice was absolutely one of the biggest political stories in 2023. What else have you got for us? I've got, I've got three more. <laughs> We've got um, 11 trips overseas for the Prime Minister this year. Um, so the, look, the the pace of overseas travel, in a lot of way, it's just part of being a leader in this modern era. You know, they have to um, go to all these leaders' summits if you're going to be um, a, a serious power like, you know, like Australia is. Or not, we're, we're obviously not a great, a big power like China or like America, but, you know, we are a pretty serious player on the world stage. And you have to go to these things, basically. So the opposition, you know, started trying to call him Airbus Albo. We saw the tag take off a little bit on um, talkback radio. But really, when you press them, they couldn't say, oh, he shouldn't have gone to this one or he shouldn't have gone to that one. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it became a bit of a political problem, but there really wasn't anything the Prime Minister could do about it. I think we'll see a similar pace of travel next year. There'll be a um, a few less things, you know, he, he, he won't, presumably he won't have to go to another coronation um, in England and uh, unless something very surprising happens to King Charles um, and he, you know, th there won't be the state visit uh, to Washington and so, you know, there'll probably be a, a few less trips next year but you still have a big chunk of them sort of in the back half of the year. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think when push comes to shove, it, it was definitely very different from, you know, the situation we had with ScoMo where he was holidaying in Hawaii while uh, half of Australia was on fire. Uh, I think Albo had pretty good excuses for his international travel, but, you know, the optics the optics of uh, cost of living pressures and all the rest of it, um, you know, is always going to be challenging for a politician. Okay, two stories left. What else you got? Yes, sorry, you may must be three. You say cost of living, and I'm meant to talk about that in the budget context. That's sort of the cost of living has really just kind of pervaded everything this year. You know, it's um, we saw the cost of living support in the budget um, during the referendum. You know, pollsters were saying all the way through that the only thing that people cared about was the cost of living, and a lot of the referendum message just couldn't cut through. We saw that in the by-election. Um, we saw, as you say, in the sort of angst about the the travel and stuff. So, yes, it's, it's kind of been... I don't really even think of cost of living as a story because it's just been the overarching mm. thing that's prevailed through the whole year. The next on my list is um, the immigration debacle that's really kind of cruel the end of the year for the government. Um, so they had that high court ruling in November that said that they couldn't keep people locked up in immigration detention indefinitely anymore if there was no prospect of them um, being able to be deported. And so the government's response was saying, well, we've got to let out the people who are in this situation. Um, and then we've obviously... It's a strong area for Peter Dutton, as you and I have discussed before. Um, and he, Peter Dutton, surely has made hay with this, you know, <laughs> doing everything he possibly can to paint this as a massive failure for the government. Um, and it just really has been a very messy, scrappy end to the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, if you, the government would have loved to have had a more rosy end to 2023, but that detainee story certainly has prevented that from happening. All right, you've got one more for us. 
I've got one more. The last one is industrial relations. This is a, a Labor government. They're close to the Labor movement. There shouldn't be any surprises about that, that they're trying to, you know, do what they promised they would do on industrial relations. But gosh, the big miners and big business really are not very happy. <laughs> um, this one's going to spill over into next year as well. So we we did see, you know, on the very last sitting day the other week, um, Tony Burke pulled off a surprise announcement that he was going to compromise on his IR deal and just put through about half of it this year um, and try and do the rest um, next year when after the independent senators, David Pocock and Jackie Lambie and Tammy Till, have had a bit more time to um, have a look at what's in it. Um, but the, that the, the measures that were passed um, through Parliament this year and are now in, in law. Um, were, most of them were reasonably uncontroversial, but it did include those labour hire provisions that the miners in particular have been warning are really going to hurt them and therefore hurt WA's economy. So the big business have not given up on this fight. Um, and in fact, you know, I heard ads on the radio the other day um, going on about the labour hire laws and how terrible it was going to be for tradies. Um, so even though they they passed, it's sort of not, you know, it, it, it's not a thing anymore in terms of trying to persuade the parliament on it, but they're still really trying to win over public sentiment. So I think we will really see that continue to play out next year, but it definitely took the government back onto its, its strong ground and the story it likes to tell right at the very end of the parliamentary year. Yeah, uh, that story is definitely going to rear its ugly head in 2024. There's no doubt about that. Katina Curtis, Federal Politics Editor of the West Australian over there in our Canberra Bureau. Uh, thank you so much for recapping a huge year in federal politics. And we really appreciate you spending the time to call us in to the West Live and keep us up to date on what the pollies are up to in Canberra. You have a great Christmas and we'll talk to you again in the new year. You too, Ben, and to all your listeners. Have a great break. You've been listening to The West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver.